0: Hello fellow theater people. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host.
1: He seems to be completely unreceptive. The test I give it make no sense at all. His eyes react to life that does the He hears but cannot answer to your call.
0: Today's guest, the amazing, legendary even, Norm Lewis, certainly needs no introduction. So I'm going to keep this short. He made his Broadway debut in the 1993 original cast of one of my all-time favorite shows, The Who's Tommy. He went on to star in such beloved musicals as Miss Saigon, Sideshow, The Wild Party, Les Mis, Little Mermaid, and of course his Tony-nominated turn as Porgy in Porgy and Bess. And starting next week, he's bringing a holiday show to Feinstein's 54 Below for five performances. Steve and I are going, and I am literally counting the seconds. Norm was so warm and friendly and funny. He stuck around for like a half an hour after the interview just to chat with producer Mike and me. Ugh, I love making this podcast. Here's our conversation. Norm Lewis. Yes. Oh my goodness! It is such an honor to have you on the Theater People podcast. Yeah,
2: thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you.
0: You're like a dream. We like for we just never thought we would ever be able to make it happen. Thank you for for being here. No,
2: this is my my pleasure, and uh, you know it's uh, it's it's fun when people want to know who you are. Uh,
0: well, all of our listeners definitely do, and it's you know lifelong fans. So really, really nice to meet you. Likewise, um, Norm Lewis is a lifelong fan of mine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> totally. I enjoy your work. Thank you very much.
0: Um, Well, let's start with talking about your 54 Below show.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a party more so than a show. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't want it to be like a cabaret or a concert. Um, This is my first time at Feinstein. You have to say Feinstein's 54 Below. That's right. And uh, I've dubbed it FFFB. And... um, I'm just so excited because, you know, I've been asked to do 54 for a while, Science at 54, and it just never worked out schedule-wise, and now it has, and so uh, I want it to be really, really special, and what is more special than the holidays?
0: I, well, I was going to say, is it, a, it like a Norm Lewis Christmas show?
2: Yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, I call it a holiday show. It's swinging Christmas. Uh, it's going to be uh, a lot of the traditional songs uh, and uh, some of Norm Lewis's greatest hits. I'm, <laughs> I hate talking in the third person, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, you know, some other surprises. There might be some guests, you know, I different bet nights. I there will be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we should mention really quickly, it's uh, uh, December 20th to 24th right. at 9 p.m.
2: 9,
0: 9.30. Oh, 9.30 p.m. Yes.
2: God. Yeah. Fire yeah, that yeah. intern. We'll come good. at 9 o'clock and just, That's you know. True. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: yeah. Are you going to be doing, like, holiday songs?
2: There's going to be some holiday songs, yeah, absolutely, because, uh, you know, it is Tis the Season. Right. And, uh, you know, a s- couple of my favorites are Oh Holy Night, uh, The Christmas Song, you know, <laughs> The whole chestnuts roasting on an open fire thing. But, uh, because that's what I grew up with. Um, but there's gonna be some, um, uh, should I say, thematic songs uh, representing New York and representing the building that we're in. So,
0: ah. ah. Um, <laughs> that is so exciting. I was saying to Steve today, I, c- I can't imagine anything more amazing than going to, like more Christmassy than going to a Norm Lewis Christmas Aww, show. That's that,
2: really cool, dude. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll have all the information on the website. Good. We're going to try to make it, so we're very excited.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, all right. Can we go back?
2: Yeah, back in 1937 (laughs) when I was born. Uh, (laughs) Is it true
0: that you were like an ad man before you broke into theater?
2: I was. I worked for the Orlando Sentinel. Yeah, Uh, in Florida. I were in Florida, Orlando, Florida. And um, I was in the production department for a while. I went to marketing and then I finally made it to the advertising department. And so did you have your eyes on showbiz at that time or
0: or is that, did it just happen?
2: It was kind of like a hobby and and a uh, you know, kind of a back in, a back burner dream, if you will.
0: Can you imagine Norm Lewis showing up at your, like, your like, community <laughs> theater production of whatever, and this is the guy that's audition? I can't imagine you doing theater as a hobby. That's yeah, amazing to yeah.
2: me. I auditioned, actually, I auditioned for, it was the Lock Haven uh, Community Theater at that time, and uh, I wanted the voice of Audrey, too. And I got close to it, but I didn 't get it. so I was really <laughs> disappointed yeah but I, I did it as a hobby, and then I finally started it be, it kind of progressed. Uh, I was still on my track of being in my nine to five career job, but every once in a while I would sing at a bar or sing for a wedding band or uh, back in the day there were I was skinny and <laughs> I would do uh, skinny and tall, so I would do fashion shows as a model ah. and uh, but then they would have me sing a song. I uh, did a lot of weddings after after that people saw me and said could you sing at my wedding you know I did some for free some for like 25 bucks or whatever <laughs> but um, uh, back in again back in the day there was Star Search just like American Idol is.
0: Were you on Star Search I
2: wasn't on Star Search but I auditioned to get on Star Search and there were a lot of Star Search esque contests in in Orlando and I won some I lost some but one in particular that I won, there was a judge that was in the audience, and he was a producer of a cruise ship, which I didn't know. And afterwards, he came up to me after I won. He said, how would you like to sing on my cruise? And that's how it got started. Wow. Yeah. Because I had auditioned. Again, this was a progression over some years, but I had auditioned for Disney, and it got turned down like seven times. <laughs> and and uh, I got called back, but got turned down. And uh, so I just... I didn't know if I was really, you know, good enough. Yeah. And then when this guy offered me this job, I decided to take it.
0: And then did you come straight to New York after that?
2: Yeah, I was convinced to because I was, you know, I didn't study this. I studied business uh, economics in college. So um, I was a little reluctant to move to New York right away, but I met someone that was in the cast, God rest his soul, Michael Carroll, and he was a a Broadway person and also uh, just did a lot of New York stuff and on tour. But he convinced me. He was in my show, and he convinced me to move to New York and uh, gave me some great advice. And that's, uh, you know, ever the twain shall meet.
0: Now, what year was it that you moved to New York?
2: I moved initially back in 1988. And uh, a month after I moved here, my dad was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Oh, man. So I had to go home and take care of him. And then after he uh, fought it for seven months, he passed away. And I then helped my mom uh, dissolve his company. He had a construction company, so all of the legal stuff that had to go with that. And after about nine months of doing that, I decided to move back, and I was uh, I moved back in 1989.
1: What
0: was the landscape uh, of, for an artist, you know, in New York at that time? Like I think of it now, and I, and there's so many opportunities for actors to get their faces out there, like like Feinstein's 54 mm-hmm. Below. There's all sorts of like, uh, uh, what did you do at that time to sort of make yourself
2: known? I initially, again, here I go with my natural progression, I didn't think I was good enough for equity, the, uh-huh. the union, so I stayed non-union uh, specifically because I thought maybe I had a better chance, and then I was working pretty steadily my first year non-union, and after that time, I said, okay, I'm going to try the union thing, and my first audition, I got, a, I got a job. It was a TYA, or Theater for Young Audience, Oh um, yeah! and I got the lead in that, and so... That uh boosted my confidence, and I kept going and and you know jobs weren't as frequent, but they still came but I the advice that I actually give young people is just have the passion for it like this is you can't see yourself de- doing anything else and also just showing up, being prepared, showing up and and uh, doing your thing because there's nothing worse than going into an audition and not giving a hundred percent because you really want to leave there saying I did. Everything that I could—it's yeah. up to them now to hire right. me, and because uh, it's out of your hands after that. After that point,
0: now your first Broadway job yeah. is like my favorite show of all time. <laughs> so th- that's another reason why it's such a, like an exciting honor for me to meet you. So Tommy in 1993.
2: Yeah, you were born then. Right?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh God, <Yeah>. love you. <laughs> yeah, I was in high school. It was my. Oh. First Favorite, favorite show. Will you tell us how you came to be cast in that?
2: Yeah, I was on tour with uh, Once on This Island. I was Uh a swing on the national tour. And they kept having all these auditions, and I kept trying to push my agent to get me in. Now, unfortunately, my agent at the time, I won't mention his name, but he said, you don't sing that kind of music, do you?
1: Uh.
2: (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, don't you say no. Let them say no. So just get me in the room. And time went on, and and being on tour, it was just difficult to get into the audition. By the grace of God, I finished the tour, and that week I came back, they had an audition, like the final callbacks. And I somehow got in, and Hughes Moss, a casting agency, were the casting people for that particular show. And they liked me, and they brought me in, thank God. And it was between me and another guy. We both were going to get hired but we just didn't know um, which role, and there was the, the role that I played, or the ensemble p- role I played, and then the swing. And I didn't care; I just wanted to Broadway show. Yeah, role? yeah. And luckily, I got the uh, the role that I did.
0: Oh God, yeah. I love that song. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: did you do the Out of Town in La Jolla, or did you no, get hired just for the Broadway? Just Broadway, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, and luckily for the young man, I forgot his name now, uh, but. There was a guy who played both parts. Michael McElroy uh, played the hawker, and I played the doctor. And there was a guy that played both parts in La Jolla. When they brought it to Broadway, they decided to split that role. Ah. And Michael had, you know, obviously the hawker, and I had the doctor. Uh, which, thank God, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and the guy didn't want to come into New York, so that's one reason why that happened. Um, and uh, then when they put it back on tour, they went back to the old way. And I think ever since then, that's how it's been played.
0: Oh, so interesting. Yeah. How was it to make your Broadway debut in a show like that, that was so electric and so sort of different than what uh, what else was happening on Broadway at that time?
2: I was I was blown away. First of all, just to have the status of being on Broadway. Yeah. I mean, that was like just awesome. It, it could have been, you know, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Right. But, but I was happy because I grew up with that, that movie yeah. and that music. Music in that album. So it was uh, so,
1: ugh,
2: I can't even describe it. It was just so great to be with Pete Townsend and yeah. then to meet the other band members of The Who. But to see his process and to see Des Mackinaw's process and then to work with that amazing cast. And I mean, <laughs> you know, what I mean, that there's, I think I counted a few months ago, there have been at least three Tonys from that cast. Yeah. And at least five or six Tony nominations. Yeah,
0: Michael Cerverus, Alice yeah. Ripley. Uh, uh, Christian Hoff. Christian Hoff. Oh, yeah. right, of course. Yeah. Uh, and you've gotten to work with these people again. Yeah. yeah. You've got to work with Sherry and yeah. Little Mermaid yeah. and Alice and.
2: And sideshow. Can
0: you believe I yeah. can think of the name That's of sideshow? Okay. It's all point right. Down. There's so much information going through <laughs> your
2: brain true. right now.
0: Thank you for for acknowledging <laughs> Absolutely. that. Um, Absolutely. What, how what, how what like meeting all these amazing artists at such a young age? How was it a tight knit cast?
2: Yeah, and and I was one of the you know it was a lot of people's uh, Broadway debut, but uh, a lot of people had more experience than I had. So I was <laughs> I think I was one of the green people, yeah. and they I got picked on a little bit, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, even to this day, we still keep in touch with each other. Oh, really? Yeah, and that was 20... That was 1993, so...
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing how many people from that show are still not only working, but have, like, climbed the ranks in our, you know, some of our greatest Broadway stars yeah. now. And, and still,
2: and and still, still, you know, hanging around. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Um, well, the next show, the next sort of phase of your life that I wanted to talk about was the year 1997.
2: Yes. I think that was a big year for you. Yeah. Um, uh, that was Miss Saigon, uh, right? Well, I was in Miss Saigon for... Uh, Back earlier than that. Was it? Okay. Yeah, I, I was in it uh, from, I can't believe I remember these dates, but <laughs> November of 1994. Okay. Uh, well, actually, let's go back. I did it uh, in Toronto for six months. Oh. So I got it in April of 1994, finished that, and then in November, I transferred to Broadway. Okay. And then I was on Broadway for two years, so I finished in January of 97.
0: Okay, and then Sideshow
2: happened. And then Sideshow happened six months later.
0: Wow. Yeah. Will you talk about how that role came to you?
2: Yeah, they had um, uh, workshops of the show, and I auditioned for the workshop. I didn't get it, and what was said, and I sound, please don't take this as being self-indulgent, but they were telling me that I was too leading man to play that role. Wow. And, uh, for the workshop. That's good feedback. Yeah, <laughs> I was
1: like, thank you. I'm too
2: handsome, okay, exactly. or something. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, the year goes by, and then they uh, have another audition. But, you know, I said to my agent, they, you know, I'm too I'm, I'm, too not what they want. Yeah. and I'm they, too handsome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they told I didn't, me that. I didn't mean to say <laughs> it like that,
2: but I'm not ugly enough. Anyway, no. Um, so I, I, he said, okay, what you do is just don't shave for a few days. Go in with your shirt untucked. I mean, just try to look disheveled. And that's what I did. That is hilarious. <laughs> but they uh, they they kept calling me in, and uh, I got down to the final callback, which I didn't know was just for me,
1: oh. which was
2: kind of weird, um, because I thought there were going to be more people there. And um, I had just booked a commercial in, in Miami, so I was getting ready to fly down to Miami, and they changed my flight, and they said, can you come in for like two hours? And I went in. And Alice was there, and the director was there. There was a whole choreographer was there. uh, Everybody was in the room. And for two hours, I was going through scene work. I was going through dances, the whole thing. And uh, at the end of that last number that I did, they said, hang on one second. And they started talking behind the desk. And I'm standing in front of them. And they said, how would you like to join our cast? (laughs) And so I said, I was had a bewildered look on my face and I said give me a moment and I went over to the window and started crying <laughs> 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 and the whole room started crying. It was very funny, actually.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, because
2: I think I was just overwhelmed. Because here I am getting ready to go do a national commercial, and yeah. then I just got booked another Broadway show. My first, actually, my first begin like uh, lead from the beginning. Yeah, like you originating know, not a, role. Originated role. Yeah.
0: I was going to ask like how much of a game changer that was for you for your career. It really
2: helped a lot. Uh, people started taking me uh, more serious and and bringing me in for a lot of other things. And it, even though it didn't last that long, yeah. Um, people started noticing me, which I was grateful for
0: It's an interesting conversation we have sometimes with some of our guests about being involved in a show that is so like loved and that was so critically. Like acclaimed, yeah. like I just reread the New York Times review from your production of Sideshow, and it was just a rave. Yeah, mm-hmm. how do you handle it as an actor when you have worked really hard and the reception has been great, and then the show doesn't run very
2: long? Well, I think I came because of my business background. I kind of understood what was going on, and I was even offering some suggestions as far as advertising um, because <laughs> That's we awesome. saw, we saw the numbers. You know, in the beginning, it was you know it was word of mouth. Everybody was coming, and it was packed, and blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden, it just started dwindling. And God bless Manny Eisenberg, He's a great producer, uh, but I think he's from the the old school of thinking that the reviews are what sells a show. And mm-hmm. that same year, we or that same season, Scarlet Pimpernel, Lion King, and Ragtime opened. Oh my goodness! So we just <laughs> didn't yeah, ma- unless you like really had the budget to market the show, yeah, you know, we just weren't going to get seen and. Um, it was a good show. I mean, there were some flaws. People still come up to me and say, I wish you had done this, I wish you had done that. <laughs> but there was, you know, it's still been around for like 17 years in yeah. the regional theater uh, circuit and also in the, uh, uh, the, the the selling of the album. Mm-hmm. You know, People love that. So I, I learned a lot that you, uh, not only do you uh, have to artistically be 100%, but I think you have to be marketing 100%. I, I remember... Uh, Scarlet Pimpernel was a good show. Uh, It didn't get the best reviews, but I remember that four days after they opened, they had a huge wall where they put their reviews up. And it was, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but like... The New York Times could have said outrageously bad. I don't uh-huh. know. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, but, yeah. but they put outrageous dot, dot, dot New York Times. <laughs> as opposed to we could have picked any quote. Totally. And we had a little sandwich board uh, in front of our theater, which took two It took two months to put up in front. Oh. So a lot of people didn't even know our show was open.
0: Just Was it just money?
2: It was money, yeah. Wow. It was money, marketing. I think what – now, this is just a, a theory, but I think because of the season being so heavy – if we had opened later, I mean, I don't know if we could have gotten a theater or not, but if we had opened right after all the other shows had opened, we could have at least hadn't had a lot of spillover. Uh-huh. People who could not get into the other Absolutely. shows. And maybe um, there would have been more awards uh, or at least nominations and just a little bit more uh, what's, what am I talking? attention.
0: Yeah. yeah. How was it to re with Alice?
2: Oh my god, uh, <laughs> Alice is is so much fun. I mean, we had a great time doing Tommy because we were babies, then, right? And uh, we were, and
0: she was in that song with like you guys were in that scene yeah, together. Go to that mirror, yeah. yeah, And to the mirror.
2: Yeah, and she did a lot. She actually played Mrs. Walker a lot. Uh, That's right. So she was the understudy. <laughs> So uh, and then she was not offered the role when it was oh, when it, the opportunity came along. So she went to Les Mis and did Fantine.
1: Oh. Yeah. So she
2: left early. She was one of the early uh, uh, leavers, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like it. Early leavers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's early in New York, yeah, you guys. It's there a you weekend. It. The trains aren't running well. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> uh. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, anyway, it, 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 it's exciting to you know for those of us who love Broadway and love certain people on Broadway to look back and be like, oh my god, they did that, and then they did that together. So I was just curious about how that was to to for both of you to have started in like smaller roles mm-hmm. for your Broadway debuts, and then to be now like in like like leading roles in a in a show that people love. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was it was, and and also we got to uh, not only because uh, we did the duet in in Tommy, but we got to. The, well, not love interest but I was yeah. the yeah. unrequited love but I, I got to be uh, 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 have, a, have a duet with her and, <laughs> and so, so, told to that. so fun the
1: world won't let you I don't care about them only you with love we can rise above the whispers and shares. we can challenge the powers of fate Master a bad circumstance. If you give me a chance, we should be close. At close stars close are too hidden. Shoreline to ocean, birds to the moon. We should be coupled with the a lifetime connection. Matters. We should be joined like I we're one and we'll not two. Yes.
0: I wanted to talk about is a show that i didn't get to see but i i know it's producer mike one of his favorite shows and i know it's very special to you was the wild party
1: yeah yeah and it's so
0: funny i feel like we talk about michael john lacusa on this show all the time
2: well he needs to be talked about i know yeah. we just
0: did our interview with kate baldwin um and she did giant with him at the public yeah and, you know how was it to work on that show how was it to like work on an original michael john lacusa piece To start with. Well,
2: um, God, because I got introduced to him. I I knew his music, but I got introduced to him through Wild Party. And Mm -hmm. it was just so smart. You know, it was difficult and challenging and all that stuff. And I'm like, I
1: can't get it. I can't get it.
2: (laughs) But after you got it, it locked in. And he is very patient and very smart. I've said that already. But, um, (laughs) But I remember one instance... This was this was so pivotal and knowing how brilliant this man was uh, and, and also uh, George Wolf. Yes. we had to cut out a lot uh, because the show they didn't want an intermission and the show right. was running like two hours and 10 minutes or something like that, maybe a little longer. but we needed we needed an intermission yeah. <laughs> or we needed to cut the show down. So they he trimmed overnight. he trimmed a lot of our stories and made them into one. And it was so brilliantly done, I was like, wow! And, you know, it, there was even a point where uh, they felt bad that they had to cut a solo that I was doing. And I'm like, no, make the show better. I mean, oh. just, just, you know, and I, we were all feeling that. Yeah. And it was just this great collective of people, you know, Tony Collette, Michael McElroy, Nathan Lee Grant. I mean, I can go to the list. Bankens. Tanya Bankens. yes. <laughs> She's been on our show. She's fantastic. We
0: are, we love her. I
2: even, like, every night I got to hear her saying, uh, Mac is a moocher. Uh, is that right? Is that the name? I forget. Black is a, Black is a, moocher. Is a moocher. Yes. You know more more than I do. <laughs> um, Black is a moocher, but just to hear because she's got such a wide range. But to yeah. hear those low notes,
0: that I this know woman has, she oh, so also sacred. does an amazing George C. Wolf impression. Oh, does she? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was going to ask you about that and Mandy Patinkin and just yeah. this, this just amazing group of people. Absolutely,
2: you know, Mandy was uh, this iconic person that I was. We were so honored to work with, and then we have Eartha Kitt. Oh, of course, Eartha Kitt. Come on, yeah. I mean, it, it, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Um, but then it was funny because we were watching Tony Collette, and that was the same year she was nominated for an Oscar. Oh, right. And uh, and then uh, I think the movie Shaft came out, and and we just became really good friends with her. But watching her process and she's she being so young and first time on Broadway, the whole thing, it was so interesting to see this woman work and the craft that she had. So I would stand on the side and just watch her rehearsals. She was great. That is amazing. W- was it a, a tight-knit group? with yeah. people friends? Absolutely. That's Absolutely. So yeah, we, we couldn't help but be, you know, just because of what the subject matter was. Yeah. And what we, you needed each other. Uh, the way that the, the show was structured and uh, the musicology of it and everything. We needed each other. So, yeah, we became really close.
1: Yeah! Those were the days I ascended on high Taking on the golden boy O'Malley, oh my Bye, 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 those were the years And I gave them plenty of reason to call me the champ ah! The women, anyone I wanted anyway Browns and blondes and women And then somehow I was one day Um, One of the other
0: things I wanted to talk about was Les Mis. Yeah. Playing Javert. I think it was the 2006 revival. Yes,
2: yes. How did
0: that come to pass?
2: I had auditioned for the show years before that. and, And when the original show was still running. And it didn't quite make it. In fact, I... I went in for Javera one time, and I didn't know the material that well. And it was I was in Atlanta, and they had me fly back earlier than I expected to. So I was trying to learn the show. Believe it or not, I didn't know stars that well. I knew <laughs> of it, but didn't really know it that well. And then I sang a song that I knew uh, after that. And then I kind of just went away and didn't hear anything for a couple of days. Ran into the casting director uh, maybe two or three days later, and he, he, I said, I'm sorry that the audition wasn't the best, but he was like, did you not talk to your agent yet? And I said, what, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, call your agent. So I called my agent and they had gotten in touch with him just r- prior and they wanted to offer me, believe it or not, Valjean.
1: What? In
2: Toronto. And uh-huh. I was going to replace Colin Wilkinson and that was in 1999. And I said, no. Why? Yeah, because I wasn't vocal, I didn't think I was vocally ready. Uh-huh. I, I would have been the once a week Valjean. And okay. Just, like, <laughs> come on. That guy. You know.
0: but to- they were offering you that the, the no eight job. time a week, eight college. time a week guy. Oh yeah. my god! And can I just ask you how, how was that a big decision to turn down a job no. like that?
2: Wow! No, I knew immediately. I was like, I can't do that. There's no way. There's no way.
0: And do you think that? Do you feel as an actor that there might be repercussions for doing for saying no to a job like that?
2: I, at the time, I just I knew me. Uh-huh. I knew my body, and I knew my voice, and I just I, I wasn't I wasn't ready. I just you know. Didn't think that, I never thought that I would have been a Valjean. You know, yeah. I mean? like I never just pictured that vocally in my, in my register. Uh, a few years go by, um, and then they offer me, uh, I guess they just remember the audition, and they offer me Javert. No audition? No audition. Love and it. And I'm like, okay, sure, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I can handle that. And then I found out that Javert actually is deceptively higher than than uh-huh. than people think. There are a lot of, you know, recitative stuff that he's hitting all these high nights. But... Um, uh, I did that, and then I go on to Little Mermaid. I don't know if yes. you want know a segue yet. but yes, 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 yes. No, please. But let's but talk I, about I, Little Mermaid. I did six months, and I thought that the show was actually only going to be six months uh, uh, of lay edge, but they kept going. Yeah. But I got an audition to go in and and originate. The, yeah, originate another role.
0: And and so you ha- you went an audition for it. Yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of people, which was which I felt was amazing. Yeah. I thought was there were so many diverse people: Asian, Black, White. You know, everybody yeah. went in for this role, and I said, "Thank you, Disney. Even if I don't get it, thank you for having that." That know? is so interesting. How how is it to work for Disney? It must be
0: amazing. It
2: is amazing. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it every it's it's. Uh, let's see. I have to be really careful here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a great time. You know, Tom Schumacher was great. It's it definitely is a a corporation.
0: Uh huh. It
2: is a corporation. And a lot of things in a corporation have to be discussed mm-hmm. and made sure, you know, there's an image that they have to keep and portray, and they want to make sure that they maintain that. And so, yeah, it was definitely uh, – I, I I felt – uh Comforted, but yet I, I knew that I was in a, uh, a corporation. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. To me, it seems like such a, an amazing group of people. Yeah. Like you and Sierra Boggess. I never know if I'm saying that right. Boggess. 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 Yeah. Uh, Sharon A. Scott, Titus yeah. Burgess. Yeah. How, like, what what a collection of people.
2: Was that really fun? Yeah, yeah. It's It was, you know... We uh, again, there was some debuts uh, in that show, and me being one of the older members now uh, in, <laughs> in the show. Um, but it was it was kind of a, a a great thing for me because of the as I told you before, I got turned down by Disney seven times. Right. So it was oh, kind of a nice right, it was right, kind of a of nice thing to be okay. I can do Disney on Broadway, you know, <laughs> uh, instead of Orlando. But um, yeah, the once you get into like a family, I mean, actors. They open up their hearts and their souls, so you become close, no matter what. Yeah, and uh, and so that was it was, and luckily it was a great group of people.
1: This is where you belong. You don't For once, just listen, will you? That savage brute would kill you in the world above. He's not a barbarian. Don't try that same old song. I'll have you grounded till next year. Am I clear? Don't go near that world above! I'm not a child anymore! No? Have you lost your senses? He's a human! You're a mermaid! It doesn't matter! I'm still the king here! My word is law! This filth you bring here is the final straw! And Huss, my daughter, has come to show... I'll make you obey till you do as I say, I don't care, come with me, but I'll keep you away from that cruel, harsh, cold, wild world.
0: Okay, can we talk about Porgy and Bess for 15 hours? Yeah, please. Okay, amazing. <laughs> um, first of all, did you audition for Porgy and Bess? I did. I, can, I when I read that in my research, I couldn't believe it.
1: Oh yeah, because yeah. it just
0: I can't imagine who else they could have been looking at.
2: Oh well, yeah. The thing is, uh, and and I I did see the people that they brought in, and. Um,
0: Are they your contemporaries, or were they lesser-known people? No, they were
2: contemporaries, and uh, it was definitely, uh, you know, I was very honored that I was even being seen with these people, but I was away, I was in London doing Les Mis, actually, and um, I came back to do a concert in, where at, uh, oh, Lincoln Center, Jazz at Lincoln Center, that's right, with uh, Vicky Clark oh. and Rob Fisher, mm-hmm. and it was a great night, and it was a stormy night, and it was the first time I'd ever seen lightning during a snowstorm.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, that was... we should get we should trademark that for your autobiography. Yeah, right? <laughs> lightning <laughs> <Like> in <laughs> a <there's> snowstorm.
2: snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> My Norm Lewis's memoir exactly, and. Uh, you know, we got through the show and I guess because of the travel and and the rehearsal of the new show and all this stuff, I got a little tiny sick. Mm-hmm. So I had an audition the next day or two days later. Didn't couldn't sing. For and, for a pork ambassador. For a bass ambassador uh-huh. audition. So they said, Well just come in anyway and just do the dialogue. And I said, Okay. And we did the dialogue and and after all that it basically I tried to sing something and it just didn't work. I just I said I can't I can't do it. So um I left to go back to London, and my agent uh, at the time said they decided to go a different route. So I said, okay, it's fine, it's fine. (sighs) Then uh, weeks go by, and they said, well, can he come back in? And he... (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm in London. You know, <laughs> right? Of course. Uh, you know, the only day off I have is on a Sunday.
0: Yeah, and you're t- they're casting the out of town, the ART production. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And I said, I, I, you know, I, I guess I just have to pass this opportunity up. I know it Audra. Um, Audra.
0: It's uh, it's Michael's.
2: Audra. Audra. Anyway, I'll get we'll find the get, we'll, we'll oh, oh, it get it name. We'll, yeah, put yeah. It,
0: we'll put it in in post. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, mean, I knew this lady was going to be yeah, in it. And no name. No name. Um, and David Ellen Greer. I knew these names were... Uh, actually, was David in? I think David was in by that time. But uh, I just I didn't think I had a chance. And I just said, fine, I'll just pass this up. Um, next thing I know, and I, this could be a divine... Obviously, it was divine. But a friend yeah. of mine had passed away uh, the year before. And we decided to have a memorial service for her. And it was around March. And I told my agent that I would be coming back in... He got in touch with them, and it was luckily during the final callback. It was that week. And they were going to have it on a Friday. And I said, well, I I can't make it on the Friday. But um, they said, okay, we'll move it to Sunday. So they moved the final callback to Sunday. (laughs) So they had all these people shift their schedules. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Uh, And I flew in, and I was the last person. And... I did everything they wanted me to do. I sang the song. We did different keys and all kinds of transitions and things like that. And we were done. And I said, okay, I want a margarita. <laughs> and I went to Ariba Ariba. That's a, yes. that's a pitch to Ariba Ariba. <laughs> Uh, I went to Riba Reba, and I even asked, uh, do you guys want to come? I was even Are asking, you yeah, I said, I'm going, I got to have a drink. It's too stressful. <laughs> and then I went to the memorial service after that in Washington, DC, and I took that whole week off. Um, and when I got back to London, they said that they wanted to hire me. Wow. Yeah. So I had to ask Cameron McIntosh. Thank God for Cameron. I mean, he's just, um been cru- like critical critical i don't know but instrumental instrumental that's the word i'm like thank you i can't think <laughs> oh
0: it's mcdonald mcdonald that's what it is that's yeah it yeah yes,
2: yes, yes. i knew it had something to do with food it?
0: <laughs> <Exactly>. restaurant <laughs> yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> um but uh yeah so uh he allowed me to take three weeks off from london to come and do the workshop here wow and then go back and finish my contract in london and then Uh, come back and do ART. I
0: want to talk... I want to, just for a a little bit of background, for people who don't know, talk a little bit about uh, Susan Laurie Parks and Diane Paulus. Yes. So, Susan Laurie Parks is the first African-American woman to win the Pulitzer Prize for drama for Top Dog Underdog. Yes. Top Dog Underdog. Um, She's a MacArthur Genius Award recipient, Mm -hmm. which, if you don't know what that is, like, they... Like, you can't apply for that. They just, like, put a group of people... Like, they... Think of some names that are like the smartest, most talented, most forward thinking artists out there, and then right. they give them like six hundred thousand dollars with no restriction. You just go and create your art. Lynn just got Lynn Manuel Miranda just got one. Oh, did yeah. she? Yeah. I mean he
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my God.
2: I love you, Lynn. I know, right? Manuel. Yeah.
0: So, and then Diane Paulus, of course, is the artistic director of ART. Um, She directed the Broadway revival of Hair. She won her Tony for uh, the Broadway revival of Pippin. She uh, directed um, Finding Neverland. And she's bringing Waitress to Broadway. So, these are the just incredible women. So, Susan Lurie Parks sort of reworked the book from of Us. Diane Paulus directed. And then you guys did it at her home uh, at the ART ART, before bringing it to Broadway. Right. How was it, to work with those two forces of nature? Wow,
2: it was fantastic. Just listening to them collaborate uh, and and mm-hmm. realizing, because what we ended up doing was taking a lot of the recitative that mm-hmm. is in the opera and making it into dialogue and then making it make sense. Oh,
0: interesting. Into
2: Because uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the opera. I haven't. The opera is around three and a half mm-hmm. hours, and, you know, like you're drinking your water right mm-hmm. now, okay? So what you would do... In the operas go, oh, my God, that water is great. Oh, my, I can't wait to drink it. You know, things like that. You spend 15 minutes talking about the water and just saying – instead of just picking it up and going,
1: ah. Oh. Right.
2: You know what I mean? Right. So that's what we were doing. and that, Or we, they were doing. And they were trying to chop a lot of things um, to make it make sense to the more uh, more accessible, if mm-hmm. you will. To a, a wider audience, a broader audience. And I think they were very successful.
0: There was a little bit of a kerfluffle. Yeah. Some tail feathers got ruffled. Yeah. but Or that's a dumb... I'm making light of it and I shouldn't be. And, yeah. and we don't have to talk about it if you don't want really to.
2: No, do. let's please talk about it. Well,
0: I just in You know, I, I, w- I, w- I had... Followed it when it was happening and then, of course, saw the production and it was amazing and brilliant and everything you could ever want. And completely accessible mm-hmm. to a musical theater, you know. Right. Um, but I was just wondering, you know, sort of the, the – I think what some people had an issue with was the idea of, like, changing things mm-hmm. and adding things and maybe taking things away. Just just sort of changing what we know of as, like, an American right. masterpiece. Right. And I'm just curious about if if you had an opinion and if you did if you wanted to share it. Yeah.
2: it's uh, You know, it's America's opera. This is – America's opera. This is George and Ira Gershwin's very first opera they ever did, and it became a big hit. Mm -hmm. And in fact, uh, I don't know all the details right now, because I forget, but I know that they used this show as an ambassador when they would take things over to different countries.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: And, uh, you know, it was great to, because the music was so iconic, and then you had all these amazing, talented people showing their talents uh, in, in a different world, in a different country, and... It kind of I guess you know eased that sort of way into to the uh, the other cultures, but uh people have an ownership because it is America's opera, yeah, and um, they want it a certain way, they want to hear it a certain way but in over the years, opera has not had the population that it used to have right, and it, you know it's a shame. But uh, I guess the Gershwin family decided to, why don't we do something in order to create more interest in this beautiful show? 95% of our audience, I mean, I'm I'm guessing that, but most people who came to see our show said that they have never seen the show.
1: Yeah. Ever.
2: Totally. And they knew a lot of the, the greatest hits. Yeah. But they didn't ever see. They didn't know what the story was about. They didn't know anything. To-
0: I was totally one of those people.
2: So what we did is we wanted to make it more of a musical theater style and uh, create some dialogue. Like, and in, for instance, I remember the brilliant Audra McDonald. That's yeah. her. That's her name.
0: That's it. Uh, but I knew we we'd get there. We
2: all. She initiated this, but we all collaborated. And you know, there's a, a point in singing "Best You" Is my woman now, mm-hmm. and. In the opera, it's you it know, has all this great intro. You know, that whole thing. Where in our show, she had just... I had just rescued her as Porgy from taking some dope that uh, Sportin' Life, David Allen Greer gave her. And she's a drug addict. And it's on her hand. And so we're trying to make... At this point in the show, we're trying to make... Better of ourselves for each other. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to clean her act up. So I'm helping her, and I ask her to come here to me, and I wipe it off after I scared and uh, life away. And with all the fiber of her being, she says thank you. But it's so hard because not many people get a chance to do. I mean, she doesn't experience that a lot. So uh, instead of waiting for that long intro, she walks away and says thank you. I just say best. Yes.
1: You You is my woman. woman You
2: is instead of Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the intro. Yeah, I know. But we want to get to the point.
1: Yes. You is. You is. And you must laugh and sing and dance for two instead of one. I'm done. Oh boss The real happiness is just being gone.
2: And and in fact, uh, again, brilliantly in the book, we went back to uh DeBose Haywood's book, Porgy, which the opera is based on, where she has a scar, she's been beat up. So Audra every night would put a scar on her face. Just to make you know have yeah. that character uh, development in her in her soul in her body, and it was just great to work with her because she's such a a deep actress and and she wants to get to the heart and the truth of things and moment to moment and and the opera is not completely full and I think that that's what she she Diane Paulus and Susan Lori Park got in trouble for saying right but we all said it I said it too yeah these characters are not fully developed they're not. And George died before he could fully develop. Right. It, where a lot of composers are still around and get to change and go. Oh, that does. You know, even years later, they go. You know what? That doesn't work. Or let's or add this or blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah. Yeah. Some composers are still around and you know to. Yeah. Have that to happen. Yeah. And, and a few of them that were opposed to it are those
0: people. Are those
2: people? Yeah. And it just you know for for us especially being African American to see just a crack addict whore. Yeah. That's what. Bess is, and that's all you get to see. You don't get to see who she is. Yeah. Why? Why is she this way? Why is Porgy this this uh, homeless beggar? What What brought him to this point? This crippled homeless beggar. Um, you know, there were, we tried to bring depth to these characters, and even if it was. Subtle, at least you got to see a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I wanted to ask about something else that I, it, it's just occurring to me that I remember happening during that time was the Trayvon Martin shooting.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I
0: remember your cast all got together and wore the hoodie and yeah. did, a, did a, a photo.
1: Right, right. Was
0: it meaningful to be like among a group of people creating such beautiful art at Absolutely. that time?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It was just because, it, it, you know, it, that hit the world, even though. These crimes have been happening for a long time. Yeah. It, it hit us very hard because it was now being... The, now the world gets to see it. And um, so we wanted to say something. And so we all decided to do that, that hoodie photo. It was a
0: really, really powerful photo. I yeah. remember seeing that. Um, I wanted to end talking about The Phantom. Oh. <laughs> which I saw you in twice. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, oh, right. You got to work with Sierra bogus again.
2: That one, yeah. That her. Yeah, Her. <laughs> That crazy way,
0: Exactly. Yeah. What drew you to, I mean, I know it was the 25th anniversary, right?
2: No, it was It was actually the 26th year.
0: 26th year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that what made you want to be a part of it at that time? No,
2: I've always wanted to be a part of it. I mean, I've, oh, I've, really? I've loved the the show uh, ever since I've seen it. And the music is just, I keep using that word iconic, but it's yeah. so iconic. It, it really is. It's been around for so long. Yeah. And um, I wanted to be a part of it somehow. And I kept saying that it was a dream role of mine. I didn't know if it would ever happen. Um, you know, Robert Guillaume was the first African-American to play the role in uh, Los Angeles. Really? Yeah, yeah. And huh. he being, you know, a star, I figured, you know, he has the chops. I mean, yeah. he definitely has the chops. Really? Oh, he can sing his butt off, yeah. We're
0: talking about ben- Benson? Benson, yeah. yeah
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he actually comes from a musical theater background. I had no yeah, idea. There's a, there's a go out and get an album. Of him singing uh, Sky Masterson, okay, and, and Guys and Dolls, yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, the quote unquote the black version that they did at Lincoln Center, okay. some years ago. But he's fantastic on it.
0: He's still with us.
2: He's still with us. Yeah. Why
0: isn't he on Broadway?
2: Well, he's you know he's in his eighties now, and uh, he's he? out in, he's out in Los Angeles. In fact, uh, we honored him along with some other people. Uh, Jeffrey Holder, unfortunately, has passed away, but we. I I produced, I'm segueing now. Please, this is so interesting. But that same year when I got uh, uh, Phantom, I was producing a show at Carnegie Hall called The Black Stars of the Great White Way.
1: Oh, wow. And my
2: other producer was Chapman Roberts, and uh, he's such a great historian. He's also someone who's uh, been on Broadway and uh, broke some moles as well. Very talented man. But uh, we wanted to honor, because I've always wanted to, you know, we get to... We get to honor the divas, black or white, Mm -hmm. but uh, no one really talks about the men. And and very few talk about the African-American men. So because I've gotten to where I've gotten, I wanted to celebrate that and uh, celebrate the people whose shoulders I stand on. So I produced a show at Carnegie Hall uh, uh, back in, uh, about two years ago now. And uh, it was su- successful. I wish we could have yeah. uh, videotaped it. Uh, but was there was a it? lot of restrictions. God, everybody. Um, the original cast of Dream Girls, the, the guys.
1: Wow. Yeah,
2: and they did Step Into the Bad Side. Yeah. Uh, we had Andre Shields doing the, you know, So You Wanted to Meet the Wizard. Wow. Uh, you know, it was just a myriad of people uh, that came out and sang. And it was the first time we had an all-African-American male Orchestra,
1: wow! Yeah, there
2: were about sixty-five African-American men uh, on, playing instruments on that stage, and we had a hundred men, black men, uh, chorus, and it was just a great night. That
0: is it unbelievable. Night. But Will
2: yeah, you do we again? Uh, I, I would love to. <laughs> it, it was a lot, but yeah, we, we were, <laughs> we're actually trying to see if we can do something like that in Washington D.C. right now. But um, but yeah, Robert Guillaume was there, amazing, and, uh, and but he's definitely yeah. Look him up. He's he did Pearly uh, uh-huh. and, and, uh, with uh, Melba Moore. But um, because of him being the name that he is, I felt that that maybe gave him a slight advantage. But no, the man can sing. Yeah. So he really could sing. So I felt like... If he could do it, maybe there's an opportunity for me, and I kept saying, I want to play the Phantom, I went, and 20 years goes by, and finally, they decided to bring me in, and uh, I remember Hell Prince saying, yeah, this is the guy we want, and then I had to get approval of Cameron McIntosh and also uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and uh, I had a great time. Wow. A great time.
0: And it was everything you wanted it to be? It was
2: everything and more. <laughs> and uh, in, in a lot of sense, uh, it's a very challenging show yeah and uh, be me being uh, lower in voice it was even more challenging in some cases so um, uh, but physically I would I would do the show and go home do the show and go yeah. home I was exhausted yeah but uh, I loved doing it and especially when I got a chance to play with uh, Sierra yeah you know it was she- kind of creepy people kept saying you know she was your daughter now she's <laughs> now you're kissing on your daughter. <laughs> yeah whatever come on guys it's make-believe it's make-believe but uh but yeah she's she was because she has the history she does with the show it helped it helped me um with my character and uh i just i had a ball had a ball and there's so few people that you actually trust on stage and um, you know you can go left and they can, they can go right you know you, they go with you no matter what and Sierra is one of those people Audra is another uh, Lachance is another person uh,
0: she's been on our show too yeah
2: she's fantastic so I, I I praise those women and I hope I get a chance to work with them again Norm Lewis, you
0: are a treasure. Oh, thank you for doing this. This thank has been you. one of the funnest hours of my life. Oh, thank thank you, you so much Absolutely. for being
2: here. Absolutely. It's over. I know. I know. I want to <laughs> well, stay longer. Maybe
0: you'll come back and do another
2: one? I would love to. Okay, I we're gonna
0: hold sure. you to it, Okay. Then. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Norm Lewis. Absolutely, thank you.
0: Have a good have a good day. Definitely. I've never said that before. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank you, you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: Theater people, We're now going to make good on another Kickstarter reward. This one is from Cade Bittner. And stick around afterwards for a few announcements. It's that time of year where Christmas music is suddenly ubiquitous. Allow me to introduce you to Cade Bittner. If you like Michael Buble, then you will love Cade Bittner's Christmas EP titled Merry Christmas. You guys, 80s pop princess Debbie Gibson even wrote an original for him titled Velvet Santa. And vocal dynamite Kylie Dean joined him for a duet that is worth the cost of the EP alone. You must get this album. To find Cade Bittner's Merry Christmas EP, go to iTunes and search for the song Velvet Santa. From there, you will find Cade Bittner's Merry Christmas EP. So what are you waiting for? Alright, a few announcements. First, I'm super excited to announce that I've been invited to be the special media guest for the show Villain de Blanks on Sunday, January 3rd at 7.30 at the Triad Theatre. If you're not familiar with Villain to Blanks, let me explain. It's a whodunit with a rotating cast of Broadway famouses that is different for each performance. It's Clue meets Adult Mad Libs, where the audience provides the nouns, verbs, adjectives, desserts, and body parts. And the actors provide the laughs, uncensored and unrehearsed, as the cast enacts the story using the words put in their mouths. In the end, the audience votes on, wait for it, whodunit. The performance I'm participating in stars Anne Harada, Molly Pope, Angela Robinson, Adam Feldman, and Frank De Julio. My job will be to ask these hooligans a couple of funny questions while the votes are counted. You can get all the information and buy tickets at VillainDeBlanks.com. That's VillainDeBlanks.com. Lastly, my best pal, Ellen Marie Marsh, is premiering her brand new show, Ellen Marie Marsh Live from Carnegie Hall at Joe's Pub, also on January 3rd at 9.30pm. She won't tell me much about it, but she's amazing and hilarious, and both performances of her last show completely sold out 54 Below, so get your tickets right this second. Oh, and it was directed by our recent guest, Andrew Bradis, who just came out as the previously anonymous annoying actor friend. Anyway, I will be there right after Villain de Blanks. I hope you will be too. Get your tickets at publictheatre.org and search for Joe's Pub. To be clear, you guys, it's at Joe's Pub, not Carnegie Hall. Theatre People is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. I edited this episode. Special thanks as always to Bradley Bean, Steve Tipton, Eric Emsch, Keith Allen Herzog, Diana Bush Photography, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back just after the first of next year with our interview with Hamilton star and my current Broadway obsession, Renee Elise Goldsberry. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theatre community talking.
1: Under that velvet Santa suit Will you
0: do one
2: thing? Will you yeah. say, uh, I'm Norm Lewis, and you're listening to the Theatre People Podcast? Sure. I'm Norm Lewis, and you're listening to the Theatre
0: People Podcast. <laughs> well, we're using it. You gotta keep that yeah, one. Yeah, we're using it.
2: I'm Norm Lewis, and you're listening to the Theatre People Podcast.
1: Rockin' around the old palm tree Hey, look, there's Santa on TMC See the reindeer flies And that little cute Rodeo attitude Under that velvet Santa suit Underneath the blue skies Under that velvet Santa suit Velvet in a suit That's in a suit Velvet Santa suit